for the first time, the money that I've invested and has grown on top of itself is making more money than I make now. And that's, I think that's a goal that a lot of people aspire to, especially to become financially independent, is the money that I have now is working harder than I am. It's a rainy Friday, but we've got a special show for you. You're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Copenheffer. This year is David Hansen. Hello. David, it is a, it's a rainy Friday mm-hmm. out there in, in Alexandria. Sleepy. I'm going to say D.C., the greater D.C. metro area. It's mm-hmm. rainy. It's gray. Before we get to the special show, we have, a, we have a very special show today. It's Friday. We like to do different, new and different things on Friday. But first, not a lot of surprise in the, the basketball games, college basketball games last night in, in the winners. What do you think will be the biggest surprise over the weekend, tonight over the weekend, in terms of teams winning out? What are the matchups? What are my options? Tonight we've got. Oh, what, do you, what do you think? I got, I got this all memorized. All right, the one you're, that comes, you're supposed to be the the basketball. After the one that comes to mind, Dayton will take down Florida, and that 29 game winning streak. Do you actually believe that, or are you just th- just randomly throwing? I'm just kind of randomly. This is just that. random. Okay. There's not many like other surprising things left though. Louisville will take down Michigan. But I okay. guess that's not that. Well, they have to beat Kentucky first. <laughs> Easy stuff. You've got you've got Louisville winning the whole thing. Right? Indeed, I do too. That's troubling. All right, the special show today. The Motley Fool, we, we don't talk a lot about on this show or really anything about the actual business of the Motley Fool here. Mm-hmm. And at the end of our show every day, there's a disclosure that says the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against certain stocks. So don't buy and sell based on what you hear from us. Right, exactly. And what that refers to is the fact that, that the business of the Motley Fool is we have newsletters. We have services that formally recommend stocks. We have whole teams. We have advisors and whole teams of analysts mm-hmm. working to pick out stocks uh, for our subscribers. And then they say, this is the stock that, w- that, after tons of research, we think is best to buy. And they are held accountable. They're held accountable, to, yes, they to are. To the percentage point yeah. there, to the decimal, and going if, back forever. And we're we're the, not held accountable. No one holds us accountable. Our, they should. The WTMIers do. Yeah, they, 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 they hold you accountable on your E-Trade. Stuff. Called me out a few. By the way, on that E Trade thing, not to digress, but I went I went back online to my E Trade bank account and I clicked how to make a deposit. Doesn't list mobile deposits there. You gotta. I mean, it's it's kind of my bad for not figuring. But you you gotta actively research it. They don't really let you know. Anyway, anyway. these these services have done quite well, and they were uh, called out by Mark Holbert. Uh, in the Wall Street Journal, Holbert is known as a watchdog mm-hmm. of investment newsletters, and he called out uh, a bunch of our services as the top-performing services, including Inside Value, which, uh, Inside Value, which we'll talk about today, as the top-performing newsletter for, what was the last five years? Yep. Right? Well, let's get right to it. The, sort of the, the flagship newsletter, and I should mention in talking about these, this is, after all, where the money is. We talk about banks and finance. We're going to focus on a couple of the Finance, banking, recommendations in these services. Stock Advisor is sort of the Motley Fool's flagship service, uh, biggest service. Uh, the, the main advisors on that service are Tom and David Gardner, the co-founders of the Motley Fool. And uh, why don't you tell us a couple of the – what are some of the finance picks for, for our WTMI audience? We can do that. There are, there, are, there, are, there, are, there are a couple there are finance bunch. picks. I'd say there are a bunch. Yeah. There's a bunch. But they span the universe of stocks here. They don't – tilt towards one sector like right. we do here on the show. Yeah. They look all over 
uh, the stock market. It's large cap, small cap, it's all industries, it's all over the place. One of the things that uh, Tom Gardner specifically really focuses on is really, really good management. And two of the formal recommendations in Stock Advisor are Berkshire Hathaway. Mm-hmm. We talk about their management a good amount. We do, yeah. And also Warren Buffett. And also MasterCard. So these are two companies that have really, really good competitive advantages, but also really good management teams to back that up. So that's something that when they're spanning the universe of stocks, that's one of the things they really like to focus on. And it's hard to disagree with those two picks when it comes to management and competitive mode. I would Is it? Think. Is it hard to disagree with those picks? I, and and here's, here's the thing. Here's an interesting thing about The Motley Fool. We don't have to get on here and agree with the picks no. that our services have. <laughs> but when it comes to these two, you said you, you like the management, but can you disagree with the picks from other angles? I can't, no. And I, I think these are – and one of the things with these – with the newsletters and what we talk about all the time is really long holding periods. They, they don't issue many sell recommendations in – any of our services here, we like to buy stocks and hold them for the very long time. And with Berkshire Hathaway and MasterCard, you could argue that maybe these aren't the cheapest stocks in today's market, but there's not a lot of cheap stocks. But these are stocks that I, com- I personally would be comfortable holding for five to ten years, and I think you can get outperformance from these two companies. You, are a, you do own Berkshire Hathaway, right? Do you I own do. MasterCard? I don't. It's been on my radar, but I don't own it now. But I don't think you'd be a Cra- crazy? crazy person to buy <laughs> Yeah, I, I think these are great picks. Uh, Berkshire, you, you know, you said on both of these that they're not the cheapest stocks out there. Well, that's probably true, the cheapest stocks out there. Berkshire Hathaway, I think, is, is actually at a pretty attractive valuation right now. MasterCard is one of those where you look at the valuation and it's like, ah, that looks really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has the entire time that it's been public, the entire course of a, the giant run-up that it's had. Um, I think one of the things that's an interesting theme with MasterCard, and you can apply this out to the other credit card companies as well, and this is something that, that Stock Advisor said in its most recent recommendation, was the return of the American consumer and how that can affect MasterCard's business and how that can propel it forward. So right. you maybe have a little bit of a tailwind now that the, the de-debting of America has, uh, has somewhat stopped, and, and we may see some more spending going on. Next service? Cool. Next cool. service we're and if so, if you're interested in Stock Advisor, oh, yeah. you can find it on fool.com. There's a little tab that says Foolster. And there's the performance there. We'll, we should say this real quick. This is the most impressive thing. Uh, since March of 2002, when it started, David Gardner's picks are up almost 220% versus the S&P, which is only around 50%. Meanwhile, Tom is sitting at nearly 80%. So both handedly beating the S&P since inception. I'll take it. So you can Google I Stock Advisor. all day. Find it on fool.com. It's a good service. Check it out. Second service. Good, good, reasonable uh, name for the service too. Stock advisor advising on stocks. That's what they do. That's what they do. <laughs> All right, the second one. Second one. Looking at rule breakers and and keeping in mind that David, two hundred twenty percent versus fifty percent, roughly fifty mm-hmm. percent for the S and P. Rule breakers is David's brainchild. Correct. And he's the, he's the marquee investor at Rule Breakers. And we, a couple of weeks ago, we ran an interview that you did with, with David Gardner. And mm-hmm. people say, well, Rule Breaker, what, what does that even mean? And he, he's actually kind of coined this phrase in terms of companies that fit certain criteria. Give us one or two of the criteria off the top, and I'll jump in. In terms of what makes a company a Rule Breaker, oh, what, that's, gets it, that's put what gets it on David's radar? Give me one characteristic. Well, one, one characteristic, which is, which is one of the ones that's, that's always just – flabbergasted me is he likes stocks that other people call overpriced. Mm-hmm. 
Lots of people call overpriced. Lots of people call it. The, the, particularly the media mm-hmm. calls overpriced. And one of the most interesting things about that is that at first it sounds really crazy. It sounds really, really crazy. But when you understand the way that David thinks about this, it's not only not crazy, it's pretty brilliant. Because what he's looking for is not stocks, not companies that are overpriced. There's a big difference here. There are, stock, there are companies that are overpriced, and then there are companies that people think are overpriced yep. uh, because of the optics of a certain uh, price multiple uh, or some other valuation metric. And the, the difference there comes from what David looks for uh, in stocks and what Rule Breakers as a service looks for in stocks are those with really huge growth runways, mm-hmm. runways with, with a giant opportunity. So when you look at these companies when they're small, when they're growing fast, and you look at the kind of valuation multiples that they get compared to a Coca-Cola or a Procter & Gamble, they look ungodly expensive. Mm-hmm. But when you think about what they could look like 20 years down the line, it makes perfect sense. And two of those that fall into our space that fit that description almost perfectly, <laughs> they, do fit that we have, they do fit that description. We have Zillow. Uh-huh. which is a small company that everyone think, a lot of people think this is vastly overvalued, but the marketplace that it could grow into and what it could be in 10 years is a lot different. And another one that we talk about a lot is Bank of Internet. Mm-hmm. And are, are we the media saying that this is potentially <laughs> overvalued? And we've, we've said, I'm not crazy about the price today. But again, this is a market that is huge. And if you operate like a rule breaker and trying to do things differently, like they've done, no branches then there's potential here, and that's what I think got it on their radar as well. Let's start with Zillow. Uh, we're both owners of Zillow, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that, that, to me, that's the perfect uh, encapsulation of what a rule breaker is. Mm-hmm. When, when you think about this is sort of a real estate advertising is not a burgeoning industry. That's, that's a, an industry, that's a, an area that's received billions of dollars. Yeah for a long, long time. But what is changing is where that advertisement uh, money is going. The, the media, the, um, the fact that a lot of it is moving online, and Zillow, I think, is ideally positioned to capture a lot of that. So not only do you have a small company that has an opportunity to, to grow itself, but you have its market opportunity growing at a, at a huge pace, and you have a giant market there. So the real estate market is enormous. And then the money that's spent by, by advertisers, by real estate agents, that sort of thing, to, um, to, to sell houses mm-hmm. and all that, that's giant as well. Right. So you've got Zillow um, kind of feasting on that. And, and another one of the traits that, that David likes to talk about is the first mover in that space. Mm-hmm. And whether Zillow is kind of the first one to do online real estate, you could argue, but they really owned it first and jumped out uh, into the lead in uh, mid-2000s there. So they're the biggest in the space now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're still small, but they're, the traffic that comes to their site is more than double than their two closest com- competitors combined. So right. they're running away with it. They are the top dog in this space. Another thing that I like personally, and I think another reason why I got on their radar. Right. And, and one, uh, one final interesting thing to note about Zillow, as we look at where the real estate uh, market has come since... 2009, uh, substantial recovery. So you think about looking forward, what's going to happen from here? Can it continue to can it continue to, to grow like that? Can we see that same sort of trajectory? And the answer is probably not, because mm-hmm. we've seen a pretty robust trajectory out of that out of that bottom. Uh, but one of the things that the rule breaker team mentioned in 
the most recent recommendation is that Zillow has, as they put it, all-weather appeal, which I think is an interesting way to put that. Zillow has already, it was a young company going into the uh, real estate crisis, the financial crisis, and performed well through that and, and, and made, it, made it through that to be able to capitalize on this other side. So we've seen Zillow be able to benefit from the frothy markets mm-hmm. prior to the crisis, uh, be able to get through the crisis and, and actually, I, I think, take advantage to some extent of all the people. You know, it's, it's not great that they were as concerned as they were about the, their home price, but be able to, to, to capitalize on that. And now on the other side of that, capitalize as well. So we've seen Zillow be able to operate well in a number of different Definitely. I mean, I mean, imagine if you told someone, hey, I'm going to tell you about a company in 2006 that does online real estate stuff. They'd have been like, no way I'm touching that. But look what they've gone through in the past six or seven years here, and it's incredible through one of the worst housing crises we've ever had. Bank of Internet, uh, yes, yes. I, I mean, it's, it's possible that, that we're some of the ones that David Gardner would talk about <laughs> saying, uh, you know, this is, this is overvalued. My, my argument would be is that within the banking industry, it's a little bit. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different because when you when you talk about growth, high growth can be a double edged sword, a, a very big double edged sword. Because if you grow too fast and you don't have that loan quality hold up, that can really come back to bite you. Uh, on the other hand, when it comes to bank of internet, it's not. It, it's kind of about being online, but it's also about just being a small bank. One of the best performing banks over the past decade. Maybe maybe the best bank of the Ozarks, mm-hmm. and Bank of the Ozarks isn't about being online. It's just about being a quality bank that's growing yeah. and growing the right way. Exactly. It's nice to have the, the branchless model because it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's really about the loans you're making, not how much you're paying on rent. And what I will note is the last time that Rule Breakers recommended Bank of Internet, it was at if I remember from the recommendation, they were saying just over two times book value and mm-hmm. saying that that looked pricey. Mm-hmm. And maybe it did at the time, but that, if you think about the, the growth trajectory, that was actually a pretty attractive price. Today, I mean, we've seen it at prices up over four times book value. 4. That's a very, 4.8. That's a very different story. Very true. It's a very different story. Okay, uh, moving on to one of our favorites here at this show, uh, Inside Value. We, we already mentioned at the top of the show that, according to Mark Holbert, covered this in the Wall Street Journal, the Inside Value... Uh, was the best performing newsletter over the five-year period mm-hmm. that Holbert for looked at. For all the ones that he looks at, not just for all, Right, for all of the ones that he looked at. It's very impressive. And what's also interesting is that Inside Value and Joe Mager, who's the, the lead advisor on Inside Value, loves financial stocks. They love themselves so, some financials. So we have a special place in our hearts for Inside <laughs> We've Value. We've had him on the show. Joe Mager has been on the show. Was that? It was a few weeks ago on a Friday show, on our, our, one of our Friday interview shows. Uh, so let's just run down a few of the I – mean, we can't go through them all. There's a lot There's of too them. too many. Uh, but off the top, these are some of the favorites on our show as well. AIG, an inside value pick, uh, Bank of America, Markel, Progressive, all inside value picks. Wells Fargo's on there. David, can you um, – do you have concerns about any of these, any of these picks? No, I don't, I don't have concerns. Okay. And – I think this shows you and kind of it's a little bit of yeah go ahead go ahead I was going to say flip flip it on its head what's your favorite of these picks just just the ones that we just mentioned Markel's going to be my favorite on here and they've recommended multiple times I've said it before it's my largest 
personal holding, so mm-hmm. I'm, that's my favorite. What's your least favorite on this, on this group here? Markel, just because I said it. Yeah, just because you said it. I don't, I don't know that I have a least favorite. I, I mean, I, I, guess I, could, I guess I could say it's progressive because I don't own it. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking at some of the recent coverage on Inside Value, reading the, the recommendations that they have for progressive, I may, have to find, I may have to find some room in my portfolio for that one. And we but, had a listener that said they bought progressive on Inside Value's recommendation. Not, not a bad reason to buy it. Exactly. Uh, but AIG, one of my top holdings. Markel, one of my top personal holdings. I actually just recently bought more Markel for my real money portfolio on Fool.com. I mm-hmm. uh, think, that's, think that's a great, well-run company. Um, I, I can't argue with any of these. I, I think these are great picks. But the, listen, the regular listeners on WTMI, that's probably not a surprise to hear. One of, one of the things I really like about Inside Value and what Joe and team do they don't feel pressured to go find new ideas if their existing ideas right. are their best ideas. So they don't mind recommending Markel multiple times. They've re- recommended Progressive multiple times. They don't mm-hmm. feel the need to say, we got to find new stocks to keep people excited. They're really committed to finding Particu- Particularly in this market. Exactly. When you're looking for value, value-oriented stocks in this market, it's pretty tough. Uh, given given what, we've ha- what we've seen this week from the banks, Interesting note here, the Bank of America pick for, for Inside Value came midway to, through 2013, mm-hmm. and one of the things that they said as a reason to buy, they said the stock is a good value with promise of a dividend boost and share repurchases on the horizon. Yesterday, or, or Wednesday, I should say, delivered on that. Mm-hmm. Bank of America's dividend up from $0.04 cents a year to $0.20 cents a year and a $4 billion share buyback. Little bit of a little bit of a stumble there in that they had to, to pull back their ask a little bit after the Dodd-Frank results didn't go their way, but still, um, a good outcome for Bank of America. Indeed. Uh, final service I think we're going to talk about in detail today. What is it? We've got Income Investor, uh, and this is the service where you get one pick a month, focusing on income stocks, so focusing on dividends here. And... Uh, this is run by James Early, and he, he'll recommend some companies that the average Joe talks about. But the vast majority of these picks are stocks that a lot of people don't talk about, flying under the radar, mm-hmm. good dividend yield, and that also give people upside in terms of the underlying business. So he's not just recommending a company that has a 15% dividend yield and doesn't care what happens with the underlying business. He's really right. focused on the core business there. And uh, one of his recommendations that we've talked about here on the show is uh, Oak Tree. You've talked about it on the show. You're a big fan of it. I'm interested. You're interested. Uh, and that's one of, their, that's one of the, the few financial stocks they have now. Uh, don't have many banks on their scorecard anymore since the financial crisis and when yields have been pushed down so low. But Otree, one of their recommendations, uh, that's what got it on my radar. So, Oh, okay. And, and, and it con- continues a theme that we've had through a lot of these picks here. Of, of management, right? Yeah. So Berkshire and MasterCard with Stock Advisor, we, we talked about that. Uh, with Rule Breakers, Zillow, I think you've got to, you, that's a big part of the story there, great management team. Uh, when we look at Inside Values Picks, Progressive, the management team has always been a story there. Markel, obviously a, a big part of that story. And, and really AIG too. Yeah. Uh, and then when we look at Oak Tree, Howard Marks, tremendous investor, uh, seems like a good leader as well, building this business. And and when you talked about Oak Tree on this show, you talked a lot about Marks and, yep. and his ability to continue to lead the business forward. So there you go. Those are four of the straightforward services. For, okay, so so explain that. Those are four of the straightforward services. What are the rest of the services? 
So when I, I, I'm not when, saying when I, when I say straightforward, these give you a stock pick, one or two, depending on the service, stock advisor and rule breakers, you get two picks a month. The other two is just one. But then we have other things, more in-depth services here that actually manage money from The Motley Fool. Right. So when I say manage money, it's not other people giving us money to manage. They've taken money that... Like Million Dollar Portfolio million is the name portfolio. of one of our services. And just like the name sounds, we've taken a million dollars mm-hmm. of Motley Fool money. That's, that's how much we believe in the, the stock. And then that chooses stocks based on recommendations. So it actually manages a portfolio in full view. If you're uh, someone out there that has a million dollars and you don't really know how to manage it, this will say, hey, this is how we think you should manage. Or not a million dollars. You don't have to have a million dollars. You can use the same percentages and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So there's million dollar portfolio. Our pro service, uh, which incorporates options, hedging, uh, also manages a real money portfolio there. So for someone who wants to be more involved with their portfolio and say, I want, I want to get some income out of this, but I also want to grow my portfolio. That's one tilted towards that as well. If you were not involved with The Motley Fool, you were outside the company, and you were looking to get a taste for what we do, what would be your choice in, in service that you, uh, that, that, that you would start off with? Of all of them here? Yep. What would you jump in with? Uh, stock advisor. Stock advisor. You've got to go to stock advisor. Why is that? Because you're getting picks from Tom... Gardner and David Gardner okay. started the place. They've set the foundation of what Foolish Investing is all about. So you get two picks a month. You can really understand what their analysis is all about. So mm-hmm. I would definitely start with Stock Advisor. Slightly different question, kind of similar though. Being on the inside, what is the one service that you would recommend to, let's say your, your grandma came to you and said, I, w- I want to get, get a Molly Fool service. What is the one you would recommend to her? Got to go with Inside Value. Though. <laughs> no, <It's>, we're biased. <laughs> Big time <We're> bias. <laughs> Big time bias. Uh, but I, I think those are great picks. All right. Uh, that kind of wraps up our special show. We don't have a formal, uh, a formal Twitter mm-hmm. section of this show today. But on my way up, I was looking at Twitter on my phone. And I had uh, there, there was a tweet from Counterparties talking about the fact that in the, ni- I think it was the 1970s, high stakes bowling mm-hmm. was a thing just the way high stakes poker is today. David, are you ready to get down with some high-stakes bowling? What's on the line? Big money. Money or, like, danger? <laughs> what kind of danger? I don't know if it was, like, a draw. Like, Old West. Like, you shoot each other? Yeah. Whoever, whoever wins the bowling? You shoot mm-hmm. Knife fight? Uh, in the bowling alley? Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's what they are had you? in mind. Are you getting involved? Well, I'll, I'll play you for some high-stakes bowling. Consider it done. You'll take, it, you'll take that on? Yeah. All right. That's write that down. Write that down. Bowling happening. All right. Well, that's our show for today. That's our show for the week as well. I'm Matt Copenheffer. This is David Hansen. You can find us on iTunes. You could also tweet at us on Twitter at TMF Financials. We'll see you next week. People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear.